It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, I'm older and I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Don't believe me, just watch. We're ready to head home for a Thursday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump. Adam Lundy in the studio, our producer. I am on the road in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. As you just heard Mike Rag say, the Macedons taking on the Milwaukee Panthers tonight. And for Milwaukee, they've still got aspirations of a Horizon League championship. Meanwhile, for the Macedons, they're trying to position themselves for seeding for next week's Horizon League tournament. Of course, the Macedons come off that dramatic win at home on Sunday when Damian Sean Kui nailed a 35-foot three-point shot at the buzzer to win it 77-75 over Wright State. Can they carry that momentum into the game tonight against Milwaukee on the road? Milwaukee, a team that had Markeith Browning out of the lineup last weekend. They lost both games by like 20 points each. One by 20, one by, I think, 29 points. And so uh, they're a team that got beat up pretty good last weekend without one of their starting guards. And uh, we believe that he is going to be in the lineup tonight, but won't know until a game-time decision. So we'll wait and see what Milwaukee status is going to be for the game tonight against the Mastodons. It's an 8.30 tip, 8.15 pregame show on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You know, the Mastodons, not the only team, obviously, playing college basketball in our area. And if you haven't experienced some of the smaller colleges, I I would highly recommend go to the website, find the schedule, see when they're playing their next tournament game, see if it's a home game, if you can get out to it. Uh, take in what Fort Wayne offers. If you're a basketball fan and you haven't spent a night with St. Francis or with Indiana Tech or maybe if you're in the Huntington area or up north at Trine, uh, go check it out. I mean, it's fun, entertaining, competitive basketball. Teams play so hard. And we have had a terrific year in some of our smaller colleges in this area. And And I'm like, you know, we probably don't give them as much credit as they deserve during the course of a year. And we try, but the time just flies by and the season starts and then it ends. It seems like there's no time in between. But I thought, gosh darn it, today I am going to recognize some of the great seasons that our area teams have had in some of the smaller colleges. And on the men's side, I know we've mentioned this earlier this week, Indiana Tech They are out of the NAIA, part of the WAC. They are now 25-3 and on the season, just having a remarkable year under Ted Albert and, of course, Kenton Aubrey. 
who uh, used to be a Mastodon's assistant. He is now an assistant coach with uh, Ted Albert's staff over at Indiana Tech. And, uh, in fact, I just saw Kenton last week. He filled in on uh, coverage of Mastodon's basketball on the ESPN3 broadcast, or ESPN Plus broadcast, with John Nolan last week. So I had a chance to see Kenton. Hadn't seen him in a while but uh, what a year, 25-3. and three. And they're not the only men's team that's had a great season. Up at Trine, um, Brooks Miller's got his team 22-3. and three. They're a D3 program playing in the MIAA. And uh, what a year they have had. Now 22-3. and three. You've also got Grace out of the NAIA. They've been the, uh, the dominant team. In the Crossroads League this year, they're 25 and three. Huntington, uh, of course, uh, Corey Alford has done a terrific job there in getting that program built in a hurry. And uh, in the Crossroads League, they are now 23 and six. And also worth noting, and I know it's not necessarily a Fort Wayne area school, but uh, in the Division Two level. The University of Indianapolis, the University of Indy Greyhounds, and they're coached by Paul Casaro, who was a former assistant for Purdue-Fort Wayne, and he ended up being kind of a young coach and maybe a little bit of a surprise pick because of his lack of experience and because of his young age uh, to take over for Stan Gerrard when he left Indy to go and take over the program at Southern Indiana. But both Stan Gerard in Southern Indiana doing well, and Paul Casaro's having a terrific uh, uh, run of it at Indy, where the Greyhounds right now are 24 and two. They are 16 and two in their conference. They've won 18 straight games, and today it was announced they are the number one team of the Midwest region, which is really, really important. Because the way the tournament works, you have four teams that are ranked as in each region. They, they have rankings. And the four teams that are ranked number one are going to be the host sites for each of those regions. And so the first at least three games, they will play on their home floor as the other teams will come there to compete in the regional. And so uh, it is huge that Indy sitting with that number one Midwest seed right now and winners of 18 straight games. So Paul Casaro's done a terrific job with the Indy Greyhounds. Now on the women's side, there's some some great years as well. Trying another typical good year under Coach Andy Rang. They're 20 and five. They're 14 and two in the conference. Indiana Tech. Uh, they've had another great year under Coach Jesse Biggs. They're 22 and four, 16 and two in WAC play. And then Indiana Wesleyan just down the road in Marion. Uh, they're 26 and three, and they've won 18 straight games. So some terrific area basketball. If you haven't checked it out, hey, look, pull up the schedules, find the website, go to whatever team you choose, and check out some of our smaller colleges. Four six eight six two. It's Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Bigger colleges this week. It's not hard to find who Indiana and Purdue are playing this week because they're playing each other. The big one at Mackey Arena comes up Saturday night, prime time on Fox National Television. Gus Johnson on the call. Uh, we get some Gus on Saturday night. But, uh, but Indiana-Purdue is the matchup with Trace Jackson Davis, 
versus Zach Eady is that does that decide the player of the year? Not only in the Big Ten, maybe even player of the year nationally, as well as these two guys have performed. And I know, you know, when you look at them statistically for uh, for the season, uh, Zach Eady, obviously, with some pretty gaudy numbers, 22.1 points, 12.7 rebounds. But Trace Jackson Davis has scored over 20 points a game, 20.5, 11.1 rebounds. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis has an advantage in block shots, 2.9 a game versus 2.4. And Trace Jackson Davis, the advantage in assists, 3.6 a game to uh, Zach Eady's 1.4 a contest. So, you know, these two guys going head-to-head, both playing the same position, does Saturday's game not only perhaps decide who ultimately wins the Big Ten Conference, and I, I think Purdue is going to prevail in this one. They're my pick to win it. But, but does it decide who could be the Big Ten Player of the Year, who could be the National Player of the Year? Because it is a national audience. And, and getting the, the main stage and all the hype, if you look at the promos that are running right now on Fox for this game, the promos feature two guys, Zach Eady versus Trace Jackson Davis. So for most of the country, that's what they're tuning in to see. They're tuning in to see these two players, and they'll go head-to-head. And does it matter nationally? What happens on Saturday night as far as how the national awards are handed out a couple of weeks later? 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Of course, uh, a lot happening still in the Horizon League. Mastodon's getting all set to take on Milwaukee tonight. Just had team dinner. In fact, during the last break, I had to run down to the uh, meeting room where the dinner was set up. It's always buffet style. And uh, real quick, throw a bunch of food into a to-go to tray and then run back up here before we got through the break. And so uh, Coach Kaufman, I ran into him, and he said, hey, you didn't have to run all the way down here. We could have actually served you. We could have actually put together a, uh, you know, a, a, a carryout and brought it to your room. I said, no, you wouldn't have gotten enough sour cream on my potato. And he says, good point. I'm <laughs> sure we would have fallen short on the sour cream. But, uh, and for those that don't know the joke, uh, I do like a lot of sour cream on my baked potato. And I'm pretty, I'm kind of sensitive about getting enough sour cream on my potato. In fact, I just, they only had a small little jar, uh, a small little bowl of sour cream sitting next to the baked potatoes. I cleaned that puppy out. I took all the sour cream that was in that little cup, wow. and it's all on my potato right now. And uh, <laughs> and then I've got some pasta, uh, Alfredo pasta. Uh, the, tonight, uh, the selection was a uh, grilled chicken breast, which uh, actually I passed on because I know I'm not going to have a whole lot of tea time to eat after we get done with the show, and then we're going to get on the bus and head over to Milwaukee. But um, but I uh, I've got my, I've got my food sitting here, so I'm taken care of uh, for tonight's game. But with the Mastodons and Milwaukee tonight, there's a lot at stake. First of all, still a lot of seeding that has to be decided because with the Horizon League, you've got this whole logjam with teams from ten and eight 
to nine and nine. Um, and and here's what has to happen this week if you're a Mastodons fan. Step one, Dons need to win two games. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They risk being in the nine seed spot if they don't win both games this week, and you don't want to be the number nine seed. Why? Because the ninth, tenth, and eleventh seed have to go on the road to start tournament play and will not host a game throughout the tournament. So if you believe you can win four games in a row all away from home, great. But you really don't want to have to be put in that position. And so uh, the Mastodons would need to win, too. Now, they've been a good road team. They're a 500 road team this year, which statistically that's, you know, as good as almost anybody when you go six and six on the road. But you also don't want to use that as your motivation and your confidence builder for the tournament that starts next week and say, well, we have to be on the road every game, but we are a good road team which, of course, you'll be hearing me say if the Dons don't win these two games. But the two opponents this week, a distinct difference. Milwaukee's competing for the top of the league. Green Bay is sitting right near the bottom of the league. And so tonight, really the big one against Milwaukee. Um, And so the Dons need to win twice. Step two, Oakland would need to lose twice. And then the Dons and Oakland would tie with a couple of other teams there in the mix. You've got Wright State. You've got Detroit Mercy. Uh, the thing is, Wright State's going to play Oakland and Detroit Mercy this weekend. So uh, Wright State and Detroit Mercy, they all have to be like 500 this weekend to give the Dons a chance to catch up because the Dons go into the weekend a game behind. Wright State uh, plays Oakland tonight. If uh, Oakland wins, that will put them safely into a spot above the pack, but it will also drop Wright State down, and maybe the Dons could sneak something out uh, in the tiebreaker against Wright State, which they hold because the Dons beat Wright State twice. Then you've got uh, Robert Morris at IUPUI tonight. If Robert Morris wins, Oakland loses. Robert Morris will uh, have the driver's seat to the fifth seed, which is important because that gives you the extra buy in the tournament. Uh, the tiebreakers are crazy because it's head-to-head, but then I believe the next tiebreakers, the NCAA net rankings. And right now, Wright State is 191st, Detroit 204, Robert Morris 227, Dons are 229, and then Oakland at 275. But yet in the standings, Oakland has a one-game lead over that pack. So... A lot to be decided in two games, the final two games of the regular season for the Horizon League. And, of course, tonight, the Mastodons against Milwaukee. And we will have the tip at 8.30, approximately, hopefully. Uh, depends on the women's game, which is before ours. But uh, 8.30 is the scheduled tip. 8.15 will be the pregame right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We'll take our break. And coming up, we've got Shane Alberani, who will join us to talk some Comet Hockey. By the way, speaking of the Horizon League, a special note, Detroit Mercy's Antoine Davis, son of former Indiana coach Mike Davis, very close to breaking the all-time scoring record in NCAA Division I history as Pistol Pete Maravich set that mark um, with 3,667 uh, about 50 years ago. And uh, Antoine Davis right now 124 points away 
from breaking Pete Maravich's record. Now, we know Detroit Mercy has two games this weekend. They have at least one game in the Horizon League tournament, so they're guaranteed at least three games. If they have success, they could possibly play four in the tournament, maybe even as many as five. And here's the next step is Detroit Mercy might get a postseason invite and maybe give him an extra game. So he could have five or six games left, but we know he's got at least three as he closes in on the all-time scoring mark in NCAA Division One basketball history. Uh, let's get to the phone line. Of course, the Comets, you heard them on our station yesterday because they decided to wake up and play early morning hockey at 10.30. They played the South Carolina Stingrays, and Shane Alberani, of course, had the call, a little extra throat lozenge to get the uh, get the vocal cords working at that hour of the morning. And, and uh, of course, what a game, Shane. Comets, I felt like the Comets played the type of hockey that we want this team to play, defense first, take advantage of offensive opportunities if you get them. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't play out through a full 60 minutes, and the Comets ended up losing it 3-1. to one. Well, first of all, it's, it, it wasn't the, the, the uh, throat or the, the voice. It's everything else that had trouble getting going. The voice was no problem. <laughs> <laughs> the knees, the shoulders, just getting out of bed is an accomplishment. Uh, yeah, I know, Brett. Yeah, it, you know, it was disappointing yesterday. Uh, you know, really, it was, it was a 2-1 game. They scored an empty netter uh, there at the end, but... You know, it was it was kind of refreshing. You know, the Comets have been winning and losing games, you know, seven to five, you know, five to four uh, as of late. But to have that that two to one uh, grind out kind of game uh, was a little refreshing. Uh, you know, it was scoreless after two periods. There was some ice condition issues going into the third period. We had about a fifteen minute delay. Uh, so I think uh, both teams were struggling with that. I think that's why you, there was not much offense because uh, you know the conditions were the same for both teams. And, you know, passes weren't crisp. Uh, you know, the, the puck was jumping around a lot. So I think that had a lot, that more had to do with anything else, uh, with a lack of offense in that game. But you know what? You know, the Comets took a lot of early penalties. And it's something they've done all season long. You know, South Carolina had the best power play in the league, uh, coming into yesterday's game and they, they gave them eight power plays, two five on threes. And you just can't do that. Shane, I want to, get, want to ask you a question about the, uh, the ice conditions because I don't know what factors play into ice conditions you know the coliseum they had to take the entire ice surface out of the building for the circus and then put in a whole new ice surface which of course you're always a little bit leery about on what the uh, conditions will be i don't think it was all that bad at the coliseum but what plays into ice conditions in some of these games can it be the weather or a quick warm-up outside is it just the way the ice is laid what what do you know about that it, it, it's absolutely, you know, the weather, if you come down south and you're playing games, the ice is going to be soft. Uh, you know, after the game, uh, you know, we went, you know, going downstairs toward our dressing room, and it must have been close to, uh, I mean, 90 degrees, you know, there at the ice oh. level. So it was not going to be easy to keep that ice uh, frozen throughout the day. And, uh, you know, the players said, you know, you could feel it really soften up as the game went on. And by the third period, uh, you know, they felt like it was almost unplayable. They were, uh, you know, trying to overcompensate by putting some more water on top of it there on the last side surfacing, uh, going into the third period. And that didn't work and the players were just, were just sliding all over the place. So yeah, you know, it, it seems like, you know, when you come down south, again, when you have the humidity and you're having a hard time, you know, keeping everything cool. I mean, it was by the time we left yesterday, it was, it was, you know, in the, in the mid eighties and, uh, 
the fact that it was also a morning game. You had the sunshine, and of course, that adds to it as well, you know, beating down on the building. So, yeah, it has a lot to do with, with the climate that you're in. Shane, it's interesting with this team because the perception is always that to win playoff hockey, it's got to be the type of game you saw yesterday, maybe on a good ice surface. But it's got to be that two to one grind out or that three to two, that three to one, that that's what playoff hockey is. And I look at this Comets team and I wonder, is this team, is are they at their best when they play that way? I was glad to see it because of so many shootouts and because I've got a perception that if you're going to win in the playoffs, you've got to be able to play these types of games. But do the Comets have to play these types of games? Are they better just going ahead, keeping it wide open? And the uh, the foot on the throttle and and win game seven five. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that's that's a tough call. Uh, you know we saw a lot of hockey get to be played. This team could totally look different in you know in six weeks, you know seven weeks when we start actually uh, really looking at the playoffs. But you know the the stat that that boggles my mind is that the Comets are the second best offensive team in the league but they're the second-worst defensive team in the league. So just by that stat, yeah, you're going to have to beat teams 7-5, to five, you know, 6-5 to five on a nightly basis. And, you know, you certainly can score, but there's going to be nights when you're not going to be able to score. And, you know, that's where, you know, the old cliche, defense wins championships. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we still have a long way to go. We, I mean, the identity of this team could actually change in the next month. What's the goaltending situation right now with the return of Colton Point? Uh, is, is it Point and Fanti, or who do we have as far as goaltenders? Oh, that's that's two right now. Uh, it's Ryan Fancy and Colton Point, and Ryan Fancy uh, is getting uh, the lion's share of the ice time. Colton Point came back and and uh, got a win uh, Sunday at home against Kalamazoo, but he had been out since uh, the first week of December. So uh, it, you know he's the guy. He's still not quite into shape. You know you you had to give him uh, a lot of time uh, coming back from an injury, but. Uh, uh, you know, you had to give Ryan Fancy a day off as well. So, uh, you know, but Ryan Fancy, he's going to be the guy here. You know, the comments still hope to get Ryland Peronto uh, back uh, from Abbotsford in the AHL, uh, you know, hopefully for the playoff push, but uh, not sure what the situation there is uh, in Abbotsford. So uh, right now it's these two guys, and they're two affiliated goaltenders, both with Bakersfield. So uh, you got quality goaltending, and, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Fancy, maybe that was maybe his best performance yet, and he's been really good was, was yesterday. So, uh, the comments, you know, certainly, you know, can't, uh, can't spoil their good goaltending performances that they're getting here from Fancy. What adjectives can you use to describe what, uh, Jean Boudreaux has been this year for the comments? <laughs> yeah, this guy has, I mean, he has really blossomed, uh, because, you know, last year, you know, he was the guy we knew he could score. I think he went 20 or, or more games without a goal. He was really frustrated. And, you know, he had a great middle part of the season last year, and then he got injured uh, right before the playoffs. So he was, you know, that was a, a big loss for the Comets going in uh, to the playoffs last year. And, you know, he has just been, I mean, the past 10 games, I, I want to say he's got 15 points, you know, something r- ridiculous. And, uh, you know, he's a young kid. He's only 23 years old. Uh, he got a brief call up to Chicago. Uh, he played a morning game, you know, last week uh, in Chicago. So, you know, he's going to start getting some attention here uh, from from the higher leagues. Uh, but no, th- this guy is, uh, over the past, he's, he's the big reason why the Comets kind of turned things around there when they went on that six game winning streak. Uh, he he just got hot, and he's a guy who he's a he's a big forward who you don't expect to have the kind of hands that he has. Most of the goals he has score are five five feet in front of the net. You know, he's not a guy who who charges the net. No, he's just around. 
uh, and he's able to pick up the puck and able to bury it. And uh, no, you know, Sean Butcher has been valuable, and hopefully, you know, the Comets will, will be able to keep him here going down the stretch. Comets now in Savannah. Uh, give me a quick weather update for Savannah. Uh, you know, it's in the mid 80s. Uh, nice day today in Savannah. So uh, <laughs> the drive from Charleston to Savannah yesterday, you know, wasn't too bad. And uh, not too long a trip, nice weather. Uh, yeah, we had a terrific bus ride to get into Milwaukee yesterday. So advantage Shane on the bus ride right now. <laughs> um, but let's let's talk about Savannah. And, you know, the, the, this is their first year, isn't it? Is this a true expansion team, or did they relocate? What's the story with Savannah? Well, Savannah is uh, the farm club of the uh, Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights, you know, where the Comets have been for, for several years. Now, that affiliation uh, switch, Savannah is a, uh, an expansion team. But, you know, in the ECHL, you know, not really. You know, you're going to get loaded up by your affiliate. So uh, uh, so Vegas uh, loaded them up earlier in the season, but they've struggled. They've, they've had a lot of call-ups, a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've dealt with it. They've kind of gone through it here uh, with everyone, every team does. But, you know, they started off very hot, and now they're at the bottom of their division. So, these uh, these two games here are very very winnable games uh, for the Comets. What uh, what do you expect as far as goaltending? Is Fanti going to go both games, or do you think Point gets one of the games in that? I would expect Fanti to, to be in there Friday Saturday. Remember, we got a Sunday game in Atlanta, so uh, if if Ben Boudreaux is going to throw Colton Point in there, it would probably be Sunday in Atlanta. Man, I didn't even know about that Sunday game. I didn't go that far ahead in the schedule, but what a ridiculous <laughs> weekend! Uh, it's going to be crazy this weekend. Shane, keep those throat lozenges handy. Uh, we'll count Will on do. you. Calling the games uh, on WoWo, and you can check them out all weekend long. Comet Hockey. Appreciate it, Shane. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Bob, Brett. And he can enjoy that 85-degree weather down there in the south. We'll take a quick time out. We've got to talk some high school basketball. Eric Dute, Dute Kevich from Parkview Sports Medicine joins us on the other side. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. I don't know if Coach Kaufman's the one behind this joke, but I have become convinced that I am right now the butt of a running joke with the Mastodons. And for those that follow me on Twitter... Uh, you probably know this story. For those that don't, you should, at Brett Rump Sports on Twitter. But uh, over the last four or five trips that we've gone on the road, we've stayed in hotels. And, uh, you know, four or five games ago or four or five hotels ago, I, I noticed I got the hearing-impaired room. It's got like a special doorbell buzzer or something. And I don't know if it makes the lights flash or what it does if you ring it. But I, I get the hearing impaired room. And I thought at that time it was kind of funny and ironic that I ended up, the old guy on the trip ended up with the hearing impaired room. Well, then we went down the road from like Dayton to Cincinnati, checked into the next hotel. And by gosh, what a coincidence. I ended up again with the hearing impaired room. And I thought, that's weird. Two in a row. What's the chances? Well, we've been on like a couple of trips since then. And every room I now get, when they give me my room card, I go to the room to check it or to, to get into my room. And I have had the hearing impaired room now like five straight hotels. I think I think it's now a running joke that they set me up for this room. And it just took me a while to catch on that I was the butt of their jokes. And someone behind uh, behind this has really pulled off a pretty good one. 
And uh, But anyway, just part of the fun of traveling with the Mastodons as we're in Milwaukee for the Dons versus the Milwaukee Panthers tonight. Hey, it's that time, Thursday, we get to talk to Eric Dutkevich from Parkview Sports Medicine joining us to cover all things high school basketball. Plus, Dute, it's the big one coming up Saturday, prime time. Under the lights at night, it's going to be the Purdue Boilermakers trying to get a little revenge against the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, Duke. This game, not only a big one as far as Big Ten standings and as far as the status going into seeding for the uh, Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament perhaps, but this game might go a long way in deciding a Big Ten Player of the Year, and perhaps even have an impact on National Player of the Year because it is the national stage being featured on Fox Television. This one could be huge Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, this is a big one. I mean, I think looking back at what, uh, you know, IU being able to beat Purdue earlier in the year and Bloomington, and it really was that matchup between Edie and and, uh, uh, Trey Jackson Davis and so, you know, for, for them to line up again, it's going to be a big-time matchup in prime time. Um, and really, that's where the conversation was because Purdue had been talked about as a team all year long, like as a team. And then that game with IU, it kind of became about the individualized players. And, you know, both guys had a great game. The guards for Purdue did not embrace Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, but Jalen Hood, Shafino for the Hoosiers, had a monster game and really a coming out party for him and, and was the best freshman on the floor that day. So fast forward to now, the kind of the rematch, and I feel like this rivalry is right where it should be between Purdue and IU. Going to be a huge uh, atmosphere at Mackey Arena um, and uh, under the lights, under the primetime television, and of course radio coverage as well. And it should be a fun game to see with two ranked teams uh, between with with a lot of Big Ten implications on the line. Of course, we've got uh, coverage of the Purdue Radio Network on 1380 The Fan, and then we've got coverage of the Indiana Network on Big 92.3, so Federated Media and our family of stations all over this game coming up Saturday night. All right, dude, we want to talk some high school basketball. It is the final night, nights of the regular season because it's time after this uh, Friday night to turn the page, get ready for sectional play. But I know you have not quit or given up on these teams yet. You've still got a top five for what's happening of late. I'm anxious because, you know, as a Concordia grad, I've been I've been looking forward to this segment. I just want to test you here because, hey, you know, I'm pretty proud of what the cadets have done this year. <laughs> Let's go ahead, though, and start with our boys' top five at number five. All right, number five. And remember, this is not a power poll but just uh, how the week has been for these teams, and we've had some good weeks from some of them. But number five, we head to the NEA with the DeKalb Barons. Here's a team with three straight wins now after starting 3-14, and 14, and really they started 0-10. They beat Concordia on Valentine's Day, then come back last week and knock off Garrett in that old-fashioned county rivalry game. Also beat Heritage on Tuesday. Um, and so, you know, they're starting to click a little bit. Six and 14, uh, second season under Marty Beasley up there. Uh, nice to see them crack into the top five this week. Just a good, solid week for the DeKalb Barons. 
All right, let's move up to number four. Number four, we find your Concordia Cadets. What a mixed bag of, of, of results this week for Concordia. You know, they uh, uh, get, you know, lose to Wayne on Friday night. That, you know, that settles the SAC, but their ability to bounce back on Tuesday, beat Homestead for the first time in 10 years, first time in 15 years, they did it at Homestead on the road. And then, of course, a 10-point win against Norwell on Saturday. Really solid showing for this team, uh, taking the wins and the losses. They're 15-6. and six. They finished 7-2 and two in the SAC, 9-2 and two in their last 11 games. And uh, they're going to be a tough out in that 3A Garrett bracket uh, in the sectional playoff come start of next week. Let's keep Moat rolling. We got number three up next. Number three, we find the Blackhawk Christian Braves. You know, they're back in the top five after kind of a respite for the last couple of weeks. But, you know, four straight wins again for this Braves team after a two-game losing skid. They beat Leo on Tuesday, Antwerp last Saturday. They're against Northrop tomorrow night in, uh, in a big one there for, for you know, out-of-conference games. Uh, Kellen Pickett with the double-double versus Leo. And I think when you look at that sectional, uh, it's a stacked one down at South Adams. Blackhawk Christian, though, is one of those teams that is always a favorite uh, when it comes this time of year as they move into postseason. That much closer to our top spot, number two this week. Number two, the Angola Hornets. You know, an interesting week for them. This is the team that is five and thirteen overall. But hey, how about that huge upset win at home in overtime over number four West Noble? That keeps the Chargers from a perfect NECC slate. They also beat Eastside last Friday and East Noble last week as well. Cameron McGree, a big twenty-three points, five rebounds to help Angola in that win over West Noble, and so. A big week for Angola. They crack in there at number two, and good to see some other teams that have not been there all year long. Angola is one of those teams. Congrats to them at number two. One of those weird weeks where it sounds like I'm talking to a dude talking to me through a tin can and a string. It's just a really odd phone connection. But let's get up to number one here quickly. And uh, who's got the top spot in this week's top five? Number number one, we find the Wayne General. You know, of course, the big SAC championship, first time since 2000, the outright title for the first time since 1976, eight straight wins for this general team that's averaging 64 points a game. H.J. Uh, Diller, 15 points, 15 rebounds against Concordia. Javon Lewis has been solid all year. And what just a great celebration if you saw it on Friday night. The fans rushing the court, celebrating with their team. It's been a long time coming for Wayne, and it's so good to see them succeed and win SAC and take our number one spot in the poll again this week. Well, of course, sectionals start next week, and so we've got to put our focus on what's going to happen as teams basically play their one-and-done type uh, setting. And uh, one of the sectional hosts is Carroll, and you've got DeKalb, East Noble, Northside Carroll, Northrop, and Snyder all doing battle at Carroll next week. Who do you like? Yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to that first game between Northside and Carroll in the first round on Tuesday. 
Uh, Carroll beat Northside earlier in February. Uh, but Northside is always that team that kind of lurks around the corner. Can they put it together and have a big game? I actually think that Northside can get past Carroll, and then it's pretty much easy sailing from there. I mean, Cal was a team that probably comes out of that other side of the bracket. I like them beating Northrop in the semis. But I'll take Northside to win that Carroll sectional uh, and Carroll right on their heels. But that's going to be a good game on Tuesday. A lot of interesting matchups that could uh, come to fruition at Columbia City with Wayne, New Haven, Homestead, Huntington North, Southside, Columbia City, all in this sectional. Who ends up getting the trophy and cutting down the nets? Yeah, I think uh, this is a good sectional because there's so many good teams and teams that have played each other all year. And we always talk this time of year, it's hard to beat a team twice. Wayne's beat New Haven and Homestead and, you know, uh, Southside. And I think, I think it's shaping to be Wayne versus Homestead, kind of that rematch, if you will, of the SAC championship a couple weeks back, as it turned out to be, uh, in some ways and, and, and helping in the standings. Uh, I, Wayne has been since 94 since they won a sectional. I think they can beat Homestead again. And that high flying office, 64 points a game, that's what's been Wayne's bread and butter. I think Wayne comes out of that Columbia City sectional. And uh, now we move on to Class 3A, where at Garrett they've got Dwenger Angola, that Angola team you talked about, still only 8-13 and in the year, but obviously playing some of their better basketball. Then you've got Leo Concordia, Garrett Woodland Heritage. you got to think, dude, that uh, this comes down to Concordia and Woodland, but uh, what, do you th- what do you think out of Garrett? Yeah, I think Concordia comes away with this sectional ultimately the first time in 10 years since their state runner-up finish. Uh, you know, a lot of sub-500 teams, but I think that's part of the way that this bracket, whether it's boys or girls, falls, is that a lot of teams from different conferences, different styles of play, different records, ultimately kind of that mid-area teams from Fort Wayne outside of the area as well. And so I think it ultimately does come down to that Concordia Woodland semifinal on Friday night is kind of being the de facto championship. I think Concordia gets it done against Woodland and then looks to probably beat a Dwanger in the final. Concordia 4-0 against this sectional field. I think they get it done for the first time in a decade. Peru hosts basically a lot of north-central Indiana teams, but they do have Norwell and Belmont mixed in there. Um, Norwell might be the favorite of this sectional. Do you like the Knights' chances at Peru? Yeah, I think so. I like the way Norwell has been playing. I know they get kind of a skid there in the last couple days, but maybe some adversity will give them uh, help them as they move into the postseason play. But don't sleep on that Oak Hill team. 19 and mm-hmm. two, two of the losses, one was Norwell in the regular season on December 3rd, a long time ago. Uh, but I think it shapes out to be Oak Hill and Norwell in the final. I like Norwell to win, but don't be surprised if Oak Hill comes out of that. A very talented team uh, in a part of the state that can really play some good basketball. Got just time for one more, and uh, we'll go ahead and go in 2A at South Adams because there could be an intriguing matchup here to decide the sectional where you've got Adams Central, Whitco, Manchester, Bluffton. 
South Adams, Blackhawk Christian, and Lures. Uh, what you know, Lures nine and fourteen, but they've played a really difficult schedule. Of course, we know about Blackhawk and the first-year coach Matt Roth. But uh, Adam Central has been kind of a dangerous squad, and they're seventeen and five. What do you think about South Adams? Yeah, I think this sectional comes down to Adam Central and Blackhawk Christian in the final. I still like Blackhawk Christian to pull out of that sectional, but this Adam Central team, I think at one point they were up to fifteen straight games that they had won. They kind of started slow but built that crescendo, get co champions of the ACAC first time in ten years. And, you know, don't sleep on Manchester either. One of those teams, seventh, they won seven and one, and then they had a five and one streak, and then and to close out the season at, at three and three, so a little bit of a sputter at the end. But a really talented sectional, but I think it ultimately comes down to Adam Central and Blackhawk Christian, and I'll take the Braves to win their sixth straight sectional title. We're up against the clock. Got to let you go, dude. We appreciate it, and we'll see you or hear from you at the, uh, the postgame show tomorrow night. All right, we'll see you then. Take care. Yep, that is Eric Dukevich joining us on our guest line. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Of course, the weather's been pretty bad up here in Wisconsin, and so the travel tomorrow's kind of been pushed back to try to let the road crews clean things between uh, Milwaukee and Green Bay. The Dons will be traveling up to Green Bay to take on the Phoenix on Saturday. And so uh, I won't be available to do the show tomorrow. Big round of applause for that. It'll be Shannon Griffith again back in the chair tomorrow with a Friday edition of the Sports Rush. Of course, tonight, Mastodon's huge game against Milwaukee. And that will tip at 8.30. 8.15 will be the pregame right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Got to thank our guests that appeared on today's show. Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. Also, Voice of Comet Hockey, Shane Alberani, and Eric Dutkevich from Parkview Sports Medicine. Always good stuff on a Thursday. And, of course, enjoy that warm weather there in the fort because here in Wisconsin, it's getting colder. And uh, tomorrow's supposed to be even colder yet with temps in the lower 20s. That will do it for us. Have a great Thursday night. We'll be back tomorrow. Shannon Griffith hosting the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.